You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. How did Mark 43 get going? Yeah, so if... We go back to our junior spring, <clears throat> me, Scott Flo, who are two of my co-founders. Uh, we were in an engineering class uh, at Harvard University. We're all either mechanical or electrical engineers. And you know, credit to Harvard, the class that we were in wasn't so much about building bridges or you know how a beam bends or heat exchangers or anything like that. It was much more about you're going to have somebody in your professional life that you have to solve a problem for. And we're going to give you somebody that has a problem right now in your job and the next four months is to solve that problem for them. And we could have either been working with the food service facilities at Harvard, the libraries, or extremely randomly, the Massachusetts State Police. And uh, just because I had track practiced conflicts with those other two, ended up being in the section where we worked with the Massachusetts State Police. They were rolling out a new policing model in Springfield, Massachusetts, and they were trying to evaluate whether that policing model was effective or not effective. And it was our job to actually do that kind of longitudinal longitudinal analysis to figure out whether it was effective or not effective. Um, and that was kind of our entree into the world of what public safety technology really was. Um, we, I guess when you say, you know, problem and opportunity, it felt very much like a problem that they were facing. It felt like an opportunity to do something about it. So, you know, often I think those things go hand in hand, but um yeah, we were super impressed with what they were doing with the extremely paltry stuff and paltry tools that they had. And we figured that there was an opportunity to, you know, make it better, do more and actually pay a little bit more attention to a sector that I think we all kind of presume has like the coolest, crazy NCIS, CSI technological tools. But that's not not really the case. Yeah, TV and reality are not quite the same thing. I was heartbroken. World. I was heartbroken. <laughs> what what um, was there something about it that kind of hooked you from like, Oh, oh, this is meaningful, or where you just sort of set back at like, oh my gosh, they don't have the tools that they should, and and we know how to help them out here. You know, I people ask, did, do you have any first responders in your family? Did, did you know police growing up? And I never really, never really did. You know, my mom is a grade school principal, and my dad's an attorney, and my sister is a child psychologist. Um, but I think in having worked with these mass state troopers, they they were really so, I mean, mission driven and what they were trying to do. And that's what I've come to really appreciate about the public safety you know, spectrum in general. Um, I, yeah, I think I think for us, it was just a moment where we said. We expected you guys to be using the most incredible stuff in the world, and we're shocked at this just this, like stark reality and, you know, hardcore difference in, in what reality is versus versus you know what we what we imagine right so again it was four months of us kind of running off in our own direction and trying to prototype some things really quickly and by no means were me scott and flow um you know premier developers and over the course of market 43 we all at different speeds kind of fell off the development and engineering train as we brought in really talented people to take it on um but we were just trying to kind of rapidly say like okay you know does, does this feel like the right thing does this feel like what you need and um you know give a lot of uh credit to our professor Kit Parker, who just said, yep, this is not part of the original charter of the class, but I believe in you guys and you can go, go do this and, and see if you can help them. So 
in some ways you kind of happened into this situation, but you saw something that was meaningful, something that you could help out with and it, and it hooked with you. What was the reaction from um, the team that you were working with, the Massachusetts police, as well as some of your early supporters as you decided to continue it, you know, continue that forward? You know, what were they saying? What were some of your supporters and backers saying? Like, why did you, why were you able to get momentum behind this? So we hadn't, this was junior spring. We hadn't done much with, we hadn't done really anything with fundraising, but we had a couple key advisors in our corner that were excited to, you know, see what we were doing. And you know, at that early stage, they they certainly believed in us. With the Mass State Police and specifically the special projects team that was deployed in Springfield, Massachusetts. I don't think I mentioned at the top of the episode, but it's um it's called C3 Policing. And uh, there's a great Leslie Stahl 60 Minutes uh, segments about it. And uh, again, we're we're not featured with any speaking parts, but there's a lot of really great B-roll of the back of our heads looking at computer screens in it. Um, so the Mass State Police and those those special projects team members, they were excited because I think they were getting a little bit of attention that they maybe hadn't gotten historically, right? And you go around to just, not even just public safety agencies, but I think government institutions and government agencies in general. And for as much as a, they want to be delivering the best in public service to the people that they care about, whether it's funding, whether it's capability, whether it's resources, whatever, they're not always able to build the coolest like new like technological tools. So it was an exciting thing for us to be able to work with these troopers and not only build them something that we thought was useful. And I should mention that back then we were building much more kind of like analytical stuff, helping them understand what the network of a gang looked like, what the actual structure looked like, how they could potentially, you know, segment that criminal network and um, either infiltrate it or kind of curb some of the violent outcomes that are often associated with that or, you know, lots of things in between. But I think they were appreciative that they were getting um, a, a partner maybe that they didn't anticipate and that we had kind of broken off from the normal story arc of this class to, to go help them. And then with our supporters, they were excited, you know, about us trying to do this and get something off the ground. But senior year when we actually started saying okay we got to figure out what our jobs are after after college and to pursue this we probably got to receive you know go go seek a little bit of funding um we've been fortunate to have a couple strong rounds of, of fundraising that i'm you know very proud of and is at least one form of of vindication of where the business is going and, and what we've done but i also appreciate you know for anybody that's maybe listening to this and is saying gosh it is hard to raise money in the beginning we were rejected outright like a ton of times i mean we were working in the Harvard Innovation Lab until 2 a.m. to prepare for a pitch the next day. And we were practicing and practicing. I remember we were drilling Scott with questions over and over and over and over. And then at like 2.30, we got a message from an associate at the firm being like, turns out we're not interested in government technology. We're going to cancel the pitch tomorrow. Thank you for, <laughs> thanks for playing, basically. And um, so, yeah, you know, there were, but those supporters that we had that were really in our corner, they really you know, cared that we kept pushing forward and we were able to eventually find some great partners and spark and general catalyst and a couple others and, and get going that way. So the, the last year and a half of college was a big roller coaster, but, um, time and time again, you know, we, we felt validated that this was a mission that was worthy to pursue. Whenever, whenever I look at GovTech, it is, there's a lot of sort of first wave solutions that are in place. And I mean, to my eye, pretty dated, 
And what those came in and promised was, hey, you're doing everything like very traditional, time-consuming, laborious, dots are not getting connected, it's way too manual. And so they sped things up. Some of these solutions are pretty old. And I would imagine that in public safety, it's the same case. But the difference is, is if you're, there's, there's corners of the government where this is used and people are just transacting money, things like that, we're trying to save some time. In public safety, the stakes are much higher, right? This isn't just saving time. There's there's a lot at stake and it's not just time, right? Can you expand Absolutely. a little bit on and kind of just spotlight the problem of what sort of some of the existing tool sets that they have right now, what they are not able to do and what a modern solution looks like and what it's able to unlock? So the two products that Mark 43 primarily builds today, uh, the first one is called computer-aided dispatch. And if you call 911 and you say, there's been a shooting at the corner of 14th and 1st, the dispatcher who will be sitting in something called a PSAP, a public safety answering point, they will have four or six big screens in front of them. They'll have a headset and they'll just be on their keyboard, you know, doing command line super fast, uh, trying to get a unit to where that unit needs to be. So they'll say, okay, there's been a shooting at the corner of 14th and 1st. That's what this caller's saying. That means I need a unit that's available. I need a unit that has a trauma kit. And I typically would want a unit that's as close to that location as possible. I have a big map. I filter down to all those units that are available. And that is effectively that product that we build. It's called computer-aided dispatch and really real-time fleet management and asset management for a public safety agency of where every police car, trooper, you know, uh, even like a cop up on a horse, a fire truck, an ambulance, whatever, where they are and where they need to be in managing that whole process. Um, That's the first product that we build. Second product that we build is called the records management system. Police officers write reports like crazy. I think everybody thinks that police officers are out like fighting crime traditionally, you know, breaking out doors and arresting the bad guy, very kind of like John Wayne stuff. And when people think about real traditional crime fighting activities and you know what they kind of conceptualize police officers are typically only doing that like for a single digit percent of their shift they're really you know they're they're responding to uh gosh you know children that are victims of terrible crimes and they're doing welfare checks and sometimes they're you know picking up a basketball and shooting hoops with some like kids in the neighborhood they're doing you know amazing amazing stuff that just covers this whole spectrum but uh, i digress a little bit because the other thing that they have to do a ton of is paperwork. And when they get to the scene of a crime or there's a stolen bicycle or Mrs. Jenkins cat is stuck up in the tree for, you know, the fifth time, unfortunately they got to write a report about that to document kind of what they've been doing, what they witnessed. Um, that stuff goes to court. That stuff goes to the FBI for crime statistics compilations and, and a lot of other things that's called the records management system. So for the audience, you can kind of conceptualize it as, I don't know, TurboTax for police reports, kind of. And so for us, the big differentiator, and I think how it would, what we do contrasts with the rest of the market is that we are cloud native. From day one, we have been in the cloud. There's no big on-premise server that is plugged into your same outlet that powers your air conditioning unit. So when the power goes out, everything goes, I mean, it's, we, we are cloud native. All you need to run Mark 43 uh, is a an internet connection and a computer. And that means you are resilient in all the ways that you would hope to be resilient in the face of something like a hurricane or all these natural disasters that we're seeing. Uh, you get 
updates to the applications, like as if it were Facebook or Instagram or Spotify. And as everything rolls out, we have a very similar model to that. Um, and we are plugged into all the other applications that you use through a super 2023 modern uh, application programming interface API. So that's kind of the big shift for us. And if you imagine what the status quo is in a lot of these police departments, it's kind of like what I said earlier, there's a server, it's in their basement, it's plugged into, you know, maybe they have a fountain that runs above the building uh, or above the server room, and they never run that fountain because that fountain floods the server room and it takes everything down. Um, there's a pretty big open secret, I think, of, or it's, or it's just a kind of well-kept secret, however you want to think about it. There's a lot of single points of failure in these technological systems that police departments and public safety agencies use right now that, again, somebody tripping on an outlet, doing something silly or a power outage can just bring an agency to its knees, which absolutely crushes us. So, um, you know, we're, we're cloud native, we're modern, we're 2023. And, you know, if everything goes absolutely sideways, you can go take your computer to Starbucks, use their internet and continue dispatching life-saving services for your community. With some of your, you mentioned these two products, and I'm sure you've had a lot of firsthand uh, feedback and stories um, from people who are using it. What what do they how do they describe their before now that you know what was life like before with them and now what is it like after with these products? What's the feedback you're hearing? Historically, I think for public safety members that jobs are like so hard and so burdened with stress and all this vicarious trauma that they're dealing with every single day, the last thing that they want is to be like hand jammed into a way of doing business that doesn't fit the way that they need to go serve the the public. And we actually just had a launch in uh, outside of outside of Dallas last week. And we got a quote from a dispatcher that she was so excited to come to work because she's already thought of 10 different ways that she wants to configure her workstation on Mark 43 because it's, you know, so bespoke to her and she was just giddy to get up in the morning and, and use it. So I think a lot of people feel like no longer am I a square peg being jammed into a round hole but this solution is more bespoke for me and it fits the needs of me and my agency. And the thing that I'm really proud of is that being a cloud native application, we're, we're fully multi-tenant, meaning the Seattle Police Department uses the exact same code base as Louisiana State Police. And Louisiana State Police uses the exact same code base as the Boston Police Department. But I will tell you that the way that public safety is levied and administered in Seattle is way different than Louisiana and is way different than Boston and every place else that Mark 43 has been, been lucky to land. But each agency is able to take what they do in the application, make it feel unique for their jurisdiction and continue to use that to serve their communities. And uh, when we're able to roll out an update, it goes out to the 200 plus agencies that that we support and everybody benefits from it um, if they so choose and if they want to turn it on. So that it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like a lot of the configurability that we all take for such granted my Spotify looks different, you know, than your Spotify, right? But we just accept that that's how software should be. And in this world that we're in, this is really like the last industry that we have found that is making their transition to cloud. Med um, the medical industry and healthcare industry has already gotten there. Financial industry and banking services and all that kind of stuff, they've already gotten there. So I think the the, the other interesting point is that you look at like, Amazon, and they're putting a ton of resources into public safety to help get them to the cloud, because it's kind of this like last bastion of people that 
have made the uh, have made the jump. So um, if you looked at our software, you'd say like, that's what software should look like. That's how it should behave. And that should be the intuitive thing that, you know, we, we believe in. But then you go look at what may exist in the market elsewhere and you would be pretty disappointed at how that police officer, you know, is going to help solve crime that day with the with the tools that they have, unfortunately. Yeah, it's uh, we've known for a long time that the future is not evenly distributed, but you would hope that an organization like Public Safety is getting access a little sooner than it is. But it took somebody to step up and do that, right? I I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, and and you're you're totally right. The, the future is unevenly distributed. I think that's such a great way to say it. And um, you know, for us, we just think about. These are the people that spend their life serving. So, you know, how can we serve them or how can, you know, a technological entity serve them? And you know, this is this is an important mission, you know, that we're that we're proud to be on for that reason. That's cool. In the early days, did as you were saying, hey, this is a this is a product and a solution that we think is needed. We think we have a beat on how to do that. We've got a little background here. We understand the context. Did you run into misconceptions uh, of people who didn't quite understand? the value of what you were trying to do, or maybe we're throwing up some hurdles that you had to overcome things where you're like, no, 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 let me, let me shift your thinking on that. That's, that's not quite right. The cloud is the big one that I think of. So <laughs> it's like a really quick little prelude. I was talking about this to somebody just, just recently, and it's probably interesting here. We had an advisor our junior year that was listening to our idea. We want to make some new analytical tools for police officers. And we think that's going to be motivating and exciting. It's going to be great. And they need it. And he said, wow, that's great. That's such a cool idea. However, there are way too many people in the world looking to start successful businesses that somebody hasn't already had that idea before. Your idea is not novel. <laughs> You're not unique. That's not a new idea. Nobody's you know, saying that this has been thought of before. And we were kind of bummed when we heard that. We're like, we're juniors in school. We're trying to, you know, get this off the ground. And you're just telling us that this isn't new. This isn't interesting. And his whole point was the thing that you have to describe to the market, the thing, if you're going to go out and raise money, what you have to talk about is what are the conditions that are different now than they were five or 10 years ago? Is there tech available that allows you to execute on this idea in a better way? Uh, is the founding team more set up with some sort of expertise to do this? uh than other teams and i will spoil that no we weren't we, we did not have any expertise in, in the ways that we need and we've been fortunate to you know build build a team around us um but it really made us think okay this cloud thing is the big differentiator this allows us to deploy with a different scale this allows us to provide updates in a way that feels modern and familiar and this allows us to be secure in a way that agencies can't even imagine right now and it allows us to serve needs more quickly than they could even comprehend and so we would go into an agency and we'd say like okay you're going to take all of your witness names and you're going to take all of your sensitive data about these investigations and you're going to take all of this critical crime stuff that you're collecting and you're not going to have it behind your firewall anymore you're going to have it in the cloud Right. And they said, we don't like that. That doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> and so over the last 11 years, there's really been uh, a drumbeat of us really trying to educate the market on the, cl the cloud is more resilient, more secure, more uh, interoperable than anything that you've ever seen before. And at the end of the day, public safety is a team sport. We all got to work together. And this is the way that's going to propel you more quickly than you have been before, combined with the fact that Gosh, when I just think about security on its own, and this is actually a real compelling event for us right now, 
public safety agencies and government agencies are real targets for hackers. They typically uh, have some data that's very valuable. Um, they're very much can be in the public eye. So there's a lot of pressure to to do something and respond to these hacks and cyber threats. Um, and sometimes their security isn't, you know, wh where we would want it to be or where they want it to be. Right. And so we've been telling them that putting your stuff in the cloud and trusting it with somebody like Amazon Web Services, who admittedly is, gosh, I'm sure they're trying to, you know, get penetrated by a bad actor hundreds of thousands, probably millions of times a day, billions, but I, I don't even, you know, for some crazy order of magnitude, right? And uh, that sounds scary, but then again, that means they're a super hardened entity that knows how to handle that. And there could be no better place to put your sensitive data. So it's been a long kind of educational campaign, even with how people pay for our software. Typically in this uh, industry, it was you pay for a big, huge site license up front, you know, 10, 15, $20 million up front. And then you pay like, 15 to 17% maintenance thereafter. For us, we really embrace the software as a service model. And we go into these agencies and we say, we're going to work with you in the form of, you know, two, three, five-year contracts. And at the end, you're going to have the option to renew. And we're going to keep betting on ourselves that we've grown and we've gotten better and we've improved and that there's no other place that you'd want to be. And, and that's how we want to run our business. So we, it's been kind of cool. We got into the world back in, you know, really 2013, 2014, started this SaaS model and the entire industry completely bills differently for the software now. And they've kind of followed the SaaS model too. So that's been an interesting uh, trend trend to watch. So I know a, a lot of kind of broad points there, but um, you know, the, the education and getting them to the cloud has been a very interesting journey, but I think one that'll prove lucrative for this public safety community. If you were to go to a new uh, metropolitan area and, and, and sort of pitch, Mark 43 to them uh, today. Do you feel like you kind of have to run the traps on those same talking points as you have five years ago, 10 years ago? Or do you feel like the the messaging and the way you're positioning yourselves has changed as you've had more validation and more uh, departments come online? How, do, how does the message evolve over time? The cloud is not as unfamiliar to these agencies as it was five and 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was a novelty. Eight years ago, people were starting to put their like evidentiary video in the cloud. And that actually kind of knocked down a couple of weeks. And we'd say like, you put, you should be comfortable putting a police report in the cloud. You're putting all of your evidence and, you know, this body cam footage in the cloud or, you know, that should make you comfortable. That kind of helped pave the way a little bit and helped educate the industry. Today, there's a little bit, we're actually getting more into like, what is cloud native versus lift and shift versus like multi-tenancy versus single tenancy. So the messaging is becoming more refined because people are becoming more comfortable with it. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't, you know, help be, you know, kind of consultative um, growth oriented, you know, solution, solution years, basically helping them, you know, figure out what these nuances mean. And if somebody's coming and saying, you know, we're going to sell you a hybrid cloud solution. Eh, maybe that's not the best thing that you should be pursuing. And here's why cloud native is better. And, and we've seen kind of those conversations uh, wend in, in that way. Yeah. Do you feel like you've, do you feel like this is your, your bond, the early adopters you are in the mainstream phase now, like people see that it's validated enough that it, you can, you can speak to just about anybody and, and have a pretty good conversation about why they need to move this direction. I mean, that's been a really, we've looked at the Jeffrey Moore crossing the chasm curve mm -hmm. over and over and over and over. And um, 
we definitely had the innovator part of the curve with Camden and with uh, Washington, D.C. You know, those were Scott Thompson and, and Kathy Lanier. They were saying we want to be the cutting edge of, of what policing technology is going to be. Um, we've definitely had the the early adopters. And I'd say we are kind of in this like early majority to late majority period of the curve right now. Um, early majority is still excited by the new stuff and where this kind of cloud native platform can take them. Late majority is interested in that, but they also want the maturity of an established company that can provide the consultative services that they need as an agency. And that's been really kind of an interesting journey for us too. We were like, you know, we, we always knew that this industry needed, uh, our, the, the customers just need kind of like a, a really supportive partner in the tech vendors that they work with. The technology's kind of mission critical to them. It's like the operating system of these agencies and, um, you know, just doing, you know, kind of like email support was never, ever going to be sufficient. We've always had a very high touch with our customers. So, you know, we kind of talk about this as being like enterprise SaaS. And that's been a big thing that in that middle of the adoption curve is really relevant to them because for as much as, you know, like we would love to be like pure SaaS and just, you know, we send out the application and people kind of, you know, sign up via a wizard and all that kind of stuff. It just requires a little bit more of a high touch. And that also allows you to build a bunch of incredible relationships with people in this industry too, in a really positive way. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate for it, but at this stage, it's like, you know, not only do we have the durable product that you need, we have the team, we have the support, we have the experience, and we have 200 agencies backing what Mark 43 has done that have made us kind of an, an expert in how to deploy our technology, which, you know, for big agency that wasn't willing to make the jump, you know, eight years ago, but is now willing to have the conversation, you know, that's the maturity and and, and confidence that we bring, we bring to you. Yeah, that's cool. It, this is not an overnight success. You guys have been at this for a little bit, right? You've got a lot, you've cleared a lot of hurdles to get to the point you're at today. Where do you see, where would you say that you're at on this journey? Do you feel like you're just beginning? Do you feel like you've got a lot of wind at your back? Like, what what would you say? And where do you think this can go? I mean, as you look forward, not just for Mark 43, but for the industry. I'm very proud of the team and where we've come from. I will never, ever say that there's not a week that goes by where I haven't like learned something. And I'm sure I, me personally, I still feel like I make, you know, plenty of mistakes, but it's kind of like, how can you, you know, how can you mitigate those as best you can and surround yourself with people that, you know, really have a handle on some of the really important, you know, specifics of the business. And we've built a great team that I'm, you know, really, really proud of. Um, I think the business has a lot of exciting momentum right now. I think the industry is morphing into something that is way more amenable again to the cloud and to, you know, how we deploy our technology and, and where we are going. And again, there's 200 agencies that, that back that, um, the first couple of years was definitely a lot of learning and elbow grease and just trying to kind of power through the, the, the first couple deployments in, in the best way that we knew can't, you know, how to, and, and make those agencies successful. I think, you know, in the middle of our arc as a business, sometimes you do feel those transitions between those segments of customers on the adoption curve. When you kind of have the realization that you're leaving the innovator section and you're moving on to the early adopter section, you start needing to run the business a little bit differently and, you know, treating those customers a little bit differently. And then when you move from, 
you know, the uh, early adopters to early majority, you say, okay, we got to really start investing in our services offerings and making sure that our, you know, support is there because that's something that they really care about. So um, I think that book has been autobiographical in, in Mark in Mark 43 for in, in a lot of ways. But um, no, I'm really proud of where we are right now. I think we try to be as humble as we can about the, the success that, that we've had and the amazing relationships that we've been able to build in this industry. But, you know, I'm bullish on what our next five and 10 years look like. I don't feel like we're even close to done and, and what our mission is and where we want to be. And um, again, I think that portends positive things for the rest of the industry. We see other people coming in, other players coming in, the uh, uh, cloud being an important thing and, you know, people starting to pay attention to GovTech in general. And I'd say it's about damn time because you know, these, these, these are public servants that are here to, you know, serve the public and, and, and do the right thing and, and be on that mission 24 seven we get the privilege of, you know, supporting them for, you know, a, a couple percentage points of that. That's cool. Yep. If you're, if you're at drinks with somebody who's outside the industry and they're asking what you do and you explain to them and explain the product and talk about cloud native and things like that. And they're like, cool. Um, what would that mean for a community I live in that has it or doesn't have it? Like, how would you say, how would you illustrate that to somebody who's outside the industry? Like this is possible if you've got Mark 43 in your community and this is not. It means that if you're in Coral Gables, Florida, and God forbid something happens to the agency's uh, network and it gets knocked out. And again, I give a ton of credit to uh, Chief Hudak and Hillsville team there. If you go walk through that police department, it is the most like resilient. I mean, they got like they got like cruise ship engines on the fourth or fifth floor that they can like run off of diesel to like keep the public safety building running for days and days and days. But my point is, is if there's ever this, you know, crazy exogenous event where uh, there's a hurricane and your network is knocked out, you don't have to, your agency doesn't have to fail over to dispatchers working on radios and post-it notes to track where a police car is or where an ambulance is. Mark 43 keeps you running, keeps you going and make sure that an ambulance is showing up where it needs to with all the information that it needs to have to keep that person safe. Um, it means that a police car is going to get to the scene of a crime a couple seconds faster and that police officer is going to be able to apply a tourniquet to somebody that is bleeding out and may either have a, you know, a, a really bad negative health outcome. Otherwise um, it means that a police chief is going to be able to understand what the community really needs um, for all the data that we take in. We try to do it in a really well-formed way and then be able to play that back to command staff so they can deploy resources in a way that is, you know, important for the individuals that are depending on them. And sometimes that means, okay, where can we go work to, you know, fight crime in a more effective way? I go back to my example of, um, you know, playing some pickup basketball. It also means that like, hey, like go spend a little bit more time in this neighborhood, you know, hang out with the kids, check in how they're doing, you know, build some bridges and some trust into this community. And uh, before you know it, you have a really kind of, you know, resilient, supportive um, relationship between these communities and agencies that may not have been there before. So um, there's obviously things at the high level in terms of, you know, crime fighting and getting the police car to where they need to be. But there, I think, is an important subtext and making sure these agencies can continue to be on the missions that they are on, you know, to protect and serve and build those bridges without, you know, distractions that they definitely deal with day to day right now. Excellent point. I have a feeling there's people who are listening who either might have interest in joining the Mark 43 team as you guys grow or even just saying like, hey, does our city use this? Do we put this to use? If they wanted to learn more about Mark 43, where would you point them? Would you point them to the website, socials? 
What's a good point on the website? More? We're also very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So go Google Mark 43 and you can see a bunch of the fun stuff that we've been up to and and, and where we're going. But um, yeah, we're we're hiring. We're continuing to build out our teams with more and more specialties to serve these agencies. And uh, you know, we're excited to have any conversation that is tangent to that and, and welcome everybody. Awesome. Matt, appreciate the time joining us today. Awesome. Great conversation. Appreciate you for having me. Hey everyone, we've learned a lot from this podcast series and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources.